Welcome to the Bookworm Collective. This episode, we will be going over the April book of the month, The Kingdom of Fantasy by Geronimo Stilton. As Anderson said, we will be talking about the book of the month for April, The Kingdom of Fantasy by Geronimo Stillen. And if you haven't read this book yet and you don't want to have key plot points or surprises revealed to you, we advise that you stop listening now. So before we get started, let's hear a little about this book. So this book, The Kingdom of Fantasy, is the first book in the Kingdom of Fantasy series. And there is a total of 15 books so far in this series. It was published in 2000, and and it is approximately 300 pages long. The target audience for this book is 6 to 10 years old, which is a second grade reading level. So now that we've covered a little bit about the book, let's just kind of dive in here about the plot. So this is where kind of those spoilers are going to start. So this is kind of your last chance. If you really don't want these, you should really stop listening now. Um, But if you don't care or you've already read the book, then, you know, keep on listening. So the very first thing that happens in this book is Geronimo still finds a music box inside of his attic and he also finds a letter with it. And so he's kind of had like a really bad day and then he finds this letter, the music box, and then he's transported into the kingdom of fantasy. So he finds out that the queen of the fairies is in trouble and that only he can save her. And in order to save this queen, he has to cross seven kingdoms on the back of a dragon. Along the way, Geronimo Stilton makes some friends, and they end up naming themselves the Order of the Fairy Queen. And when they get to the Queen Blossom, um, which is the queen of the fairies, they discover that she's in trouble because Boils, this chameleon, has made a deal with Cackle. And Cackle is the queen of the witches. So, Boyle ends up joining the Order of the Fairy Queen and helps Geronimo Stilton defeat Cackle. After being rescued, Queen Blossom asks if Geronimo wants a reward. Geronimo doesn't want anything for reward except to just go back home. And so, after he wishes this, Queen Blossom sends him back and he is back in his attic and he ends up locking himself in the attic for three months to write the book that we're reading. And the final quote of this book is that all dreams that come from the heart have wings. That's like a very high level view of this book. So, um, you know, we definitely advise that you read it yourself and come to your own opinions on like what you think about the book. But Anderson and I are going to go ahead and share our ratings for this now. Um, so we shared a little bit about our book rating system last time. Um, so that's kind of what we'll be rating this against. So just to go over it real fast, one means we did not finish the book. We really didn't enjoy it and we're not really going to think about it ever again. Two means that we finished it, but it was hard to pick up and we're not really crazy about the book. Three is just kind of like, uh, it was okay. Probably not going to read it again. Not going to think about it very much. Four, I might read this again, um, but it was a pretty good book. And five is like, I I really like this book. I'd recommend it to a lot of people. I think about it very often. And um, overall, it's just a really great book. So going into that, I decided to rate this book three worms. So I found it really difficult to be motivated to actually read this book because I wasn't really excited. The most exciting part was probably him 
getting to the kingdom and finding out that he has to do this task that he doesn't really want to do and is really scared to do. But after that point, I just got really bored with this book and I couldn't find that motivation. And I think that that's kind of one of the fun parts about a lot of books. I really love when you first get into the world and you kind of get to learn all of the stuff that's like surrounding this and kind of just like really figure out what world we're in. And that to me was also like it was the most exciting part of the book. And then it just kind of like all went a little bit downhill from there. So definitely see what you're saying there. And then it also didn't really dive deep into each of the kingdoms. So there are seven kingdoms in this um, fantasy world, but you kind of just have to... Geronimo Stilton is just trying to run through all of these kingdoms, and you never get to stay in one place for too long because he is trying to get to the Queen of the Fairies to save her and uh, the Kingdom of Fairies. So uh, you never really spent too much time in one place. So it just became very boring because you never learned about each uh, kingdom. Another thing about this book that I struggled with is that it started to become very repetitive. And once a book becomes very repetitive, I start to get bored really quickly so once Geronimo Stilton got to a new kingdom, he would just have to give the rulers of the kingdom an object that he already had with the, um, with the music box that he found in his attic. And all he had to do was give the ruler of the kingdom that object so that he could pass through the kingdom. So it just became a struggle because... That is all he had to do throughout the book. It wasn't very exciting. Yeah, and there's kind of like this concept in storytelling that if a character is going to get in trouble, if you want your audience to care about it, it needs to not like be resolved by like a coincidence. If you like get into this story and it's like, oh, I already happen to have the item that I need. It seems like kind of like a throwaway plot point. And I felt like that happened like quite a bit in this. And I understand like this book is not it's not really targeted for Anderson and I. It's targeted for a much younger audience, and so it's kind of, like, different, and we need to keep that in mind when we're reviewing this book, I guess. But at the same time, like, it felt like a lot of really throwaway points, and there were it just happened so frequently that it got kind of tiring. Like, a problem would pop up on one page, and then by the end of that page, it would be solved. It just, there was nothing that exciting about it. So I have read other books in this series. Uh, I don't think I've ever read the first book in the series, but I have definitely read all most of the other books that um, this author has written. And I think that the books towards the middle in this series are the best books, mostly because the illustrations get better. You spend more time in one of the kingdoms, or even if you go to other kingdoms, you're spending time in um and two or three of them but you still get uh, a lot of time and these books are typically shorter but um they also have a few books in the series that are bigger and i find those more exciting because the story is more in depth um another interesting thing about this book is that they that it includes illustrations and this is to keep 
in my mind, this is to keep a younger audience excited. And when I was younger and reading these books, it definitely helped me pay attention to the story and it helped me get excited about what was currently going on. One of the things I think is kind of like a skill you have to learn as you read is picturing all this stuff in your head and like building the world in your mind. And so for a lot of this, like it's geared towards young readers. So it might be the first time they've picked up a fantasy book that has some of these worlds and having pictures is really helpful to be like, okay, I kind of see what these things are. And then you can kind of keep those images in your mind. And I think that's really helpful for younger readers. But, you know, as somebody who has read significantly more books, it kind of feels like it's, it's limiting, you know, because there's things that you could imagine them a certain way, but you see the illustration. So it's kind of like already covered for you. But for young readers, it's really nice that they do this and like they're really colorful. And I, I just thought they were kind of nice to have, especially when you look at it from the eyes of a young reader. Yeah. And like I said before, as as you move forward in the series, the illustrations do get better and they they look incredible. Uh, in certain parts like in this book there's a phoenix that's mentioned and that phoenix does come back in other books and uh it each book i think the phoenix would get a little bit more detailed and it just became more impressive to look at another thing about this book that i kind of did like but um i didn't actually read all the time was that there were multiple short stories included in the book. So throughout each kingdom, the ruler of that kingdom would ask if Geronimo Stilton had any stories to tell. And normally he would tell one. So there were other stories in there too. And that was kind of nice, but also you didn't have to read them to completely understand the book. One of the things I think is kind of nice about that idea is that um, I totally could see, especially because I have a little one, definitely not old enough to be reading this book, but is the idea of like, maybe I'd sit down and I'd read this to my kid as a bedtime story. And so if I got to a point, you know, where I stopped and then the next thing was that short story, then the next night that I sit down to read a little bit with them, it's different. It doesn't have to feel like for a week straight, I'm going to be reading the exact same story to my kid over and over again. And it might kind of like break it up and keep their interest longer. But you definitely don't have to read them to like get the full arc of the story. It just kind of is nice to break it up. So for all of those reasons that I've said before, that is why I decided to give this book three worms. For me, I decided to give this book a two worm rating. I really struggled with this book. It was just something that I didn't really want to read a lot. And the biggest reason for that is it's not really meant for me and it's not something that I read regularly. So honestly, the hardest thing about this book for me is that it's not an audiobook. So it was very difficult for me to find time to read this where I just sit down and can kind of go through stuff. Now, because it is like a pretty low reading level and is meant for kids, I ended up reading it in very short bursts. So if I had like 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, I might just get through some of it. And so it, it took me a longer amount of time to read this over like some short bursts. And I think that's part of the reason that I didn't enjoy it very much. Um, you know, other than the fact that it's it's just not really meant for me. I, I felt like that it had a pretty simple plot that wasn't super engaging. And like Anderson, I had issues with the idea of like 
every problem gets solved so quick. So it's hard to feel invested in any problem that pops up. It's like, oh, this is a problem that we're about to face. Like, oh, it'll be gone like in a couple minutes. So why do I even care? Um, also, when I read it, I just, I had a really hard time dealing with all the fonts and all the different colors of text. And I think that if you are little, that might be great. Like it keeps it engaging and is kind of fun. But I just found it very distracting. Um, so that was something that I definitely really struggled with. But I liked the illustrations. They were really interesting to the book. And they kind of added a little bit more. And where the book is lacking some of the details when they describe the world, the illustrations can kind of like fill in some of those gaps. And I felt like that was nice. I would prefer that they be in the text, you know, because I feel like that's how it should be when reading. And then the illustration can back that up. But, you know, that's part of the reason this book doesn't have an audiobook is that the illustrations really do enhance the story. So I found that that was kind of nice. And I really enjoyed the maps. Uh, I always think it's fun when books that like go all over the place, they have this large world that they include maps so you can kind of like get an idea of where stuff is and just feel a little bit more involved. And I actually think it would be really fun just to kind of like draw these maps. But, um, you know, that's like a whole different topic, I suppose. But I thought they were really interesting. But what was kind of weird with the maps is you might have like five or six locations in like one little like um, realm, I guess, if that's what you want to call it. And they didn't go to all of them. So the maps were a lot more in depth than what they really needed to be, which kind of like leaves you wondering, like in future books, like, is that part of the world going to matter or, you know, what's the deal there? But the maps were really interesting overall. I don't think I'm going to be finishing the series, though. Um, like, the, the series is 15 books long. That's pretty lengthy. None of them are audiobooks, so I just don't think it's a thing for me. Maybe when my little one's a little bit older, um, I'll give them another go. But I do think that this book is pretty good standalone. And I actually have heard of a lot of the Geronimo Stilton books. I probably read some of them when I was younger and just have forgotten. But I never really knew that they were series. So I think that you definitely could pick this up and not, like, have to worry about completing a series or anything and still enjoy it. But overall, I ended up giving it two worms. To go off of what Harrison was saying, I don't think that you need to read the series in order. Sure, it might make sense to read it in order, but if you see one of the books that looks really interesting, you should go ahead and just start that one because it's going to re-explain everything and also each book is kind of in its own plot it's not it's not one continuous plot it's it changes plots every time he goes back to the magic kingdom yeah and my understanding of like the different books in the series is that really what ties them together is just geronimo stilton in general like that's kind of the biggest thing that ties them together and they might just lump them as a series, but it, it's just the same character over and over again doing similar stuff, I feel like. So now that you kind of know a little bit about what we think about the book, we wanted to go into um, a couple of questions that are just a little bit more in-depth that might you know, provide some more insight on the book, but you also might just have to think about a little bit when you're answering it. So the first question that we have that we're going to go over is, how does the fantasy world in this book compare to other fantasy worlds that you have read or seen? So I found that in the Kingdom of Fantasy, that the world that Geronimo Stilton has created is definitely elaborate with all of the seven kingdoms 
And it, like Harrison said before, it shows you all of these places that Geronimo Stilton could potentially go in those kingdoms. And if this book wasn't the first book in the series, it would be kind of odd because they didn't go to half of the places they listed on the map. So why would you list it? But in in other books, they do go to most of these places, like in the kingdom of the mermaids, I think. It's whatever one had like the ocean. Um, there's one book where Geronimo Stilton is in that kingdom pretty much the entire book. And I, I looked at the map every time he went to a new place and he almost went to every single place they listed on that map, which was kind of insane. So it's kind of neat to see that they included um, all of these places from the start of the series. Yeah, and even though they have like a ton of these places and, you know, they'll eventually fill in that, it's really interesting because it it just makes this book a way to set up all of the other books in the series. And they set up the world, but they don't set up a plot. It's really common in series that there's like, you know, many plots in every single book, but then there's also like one overarching large plot. And this book is kind of lacking that. So you can kind of read it in any order. And so I think that kind of is like weird of like, oh, there's, there's so much stuff. And I do think that is one of the things that's so different about this fantasy world versus other books that I've read or just movies that I've seen, things like that is there's just so many of these worlds or realms that it's hard to go in depth on every single one. And I just feel like it's way more common to have one realm that you like really dive into. And since there's since there are so many and you don't really dive into it, you end up with a lot of like pretty basic worlds. And so that was kind of like something that I think is, you know, kind of lacking in the fantasy world it created. So, yeah, the downside of having so many of these kingdoms is that you you aren't able to learn as much from the first book. If I was only going to read this book by itself and not read any of the following books, I would be kind of irritated that the author spent so much time on those maps rather than working on the actual story of this book. And like, sure, they can include all of those places in the map, but if you're going to include all of those places, you should have the character spend time in all of those places. So that's just kind of one of the downsides of having so many kingdoms in this book. And that kind of just irritated me. Another fairly popular book that has a lot of worlds, you know, that is also dealing with the same problem in the Kingdom of Fantasy is Ready Player One. And Ready Player One has a ton of worlds. I mean, that's kind of like the concept of the, that the main character goes from place to place to place. And like, it's a whole new planet every time you get there. And what I think is done well in Ready Player One is that all of the worlds are super vague, you know, but they're all introduced. It's like, here's all of the stuff. But they're so vague, they're not in-depth at all. But when you go to one, and when you're in that world or in that realm, they go really in-depth, and that makes it like easy to imagine it. And So you still know what else is out there in the world, but 
because it's not relevant to the story, we don't cover it. And that's what's kind of weird here is there's so many of these realms. They're all referenced. There's all like a little bit of depth to them. And then you get like these maps that have a lot more information, but you don't really need all of that. So like it just feels like it's extra. And I, I think it's just weird. Um, but one of the things that is valuable about the way they do this is the pictures. The pictures really add a lot to this book, especially with what Anderson has said about the future books in the series. I think that they just are going to continue to add more, especially if the pictures get more in-depth as well. So if you compare the Kingdom of Fantasy to the A Court of Thorns and Roses series, um, they are both really elaborate, but in the Accord of Thorns and Roses series, you can see the involvement in all parts of the world that are described on this map. And they, the main characters actually spend time in all of these places that are mentioned in the map. So starting from the first book, the first book, the map in the first book is actually pretty vague. It's just like, here's... Here's one kingdom and here's another. And there's two different species that live in these two different kingdoms. And that's all you need to know. But starting in the second and third book, it gets more elaborate where it describes the second kingdom more and the first kingdom maybe a little bit more, but not as much. And then in the last book in the series, it adds a whole different region to it, but there's still involvement in it. Maybe not as much involvement as these other places, but you know that that, that, that area is going to play a huge part in the overall story of the Accord of Thorns and Roses series. But they spend all of this time in these parts, whereas in the Kingdom of Fantasy, they just pass through. And you don't get to learn as much about their societies and their politics. And yes, it is a kid's book. You don't need to know the politics of a kingdom at that young of an age, but it'd just be nice to know a little bit more details about the history of that uh, kingdom before the rulers of that kingdom. I think that when you listen through to this, you know, and hear our thoughts on it, it's very obvious that like we are asking questions that um, the author of this book didn't really intend for somebody to ask. We are not the intended person to read. And so I do think this book would be great for kids. It's just that it's not really meant for us, but because we did decide to read it, you know, we wanted to go through and just kind of think about some of these things. And we walked away with some questions um, and that maybe would get answered if we finished the series. And I guess that's kind of the whole point of writing a series. But, um, you know, if neither of us really goes down that route, then we're just kind of left with these open air questions. Now, I do think one question that they really did intend for you to ask when you walked away from this book is, did the events really happen or not? And I think that, you know, that's, that was an intentional choice. So I kind of wanted to hear what uh, Anderson thought about that. So I feel like that Geronimo Stilton is just really exhausted from his writing job and that he was also crushed by a bookcase before he went to the kingdom of fantasy. So if you use some logic, <laughs> It might just be that he is hallucinating and he's also just needing an escape from re reality. And his brain just came up with the kingdom of fantasy. And and that kind of makes sense because he, 
he's he's tired from his job and by the end of the book he's talking about how peaceful and how relaxed he is and that just kind of leads to me thinking that the events in this book didn't really happen but if you also think about um the music box he you first see the music box in his attic and then he takes the music box with him to the kingdom of fantasy. And then it also comes back to his attic after all of his adventures in the kingdom of fantasy. So I feel like you're supposed to think it's true, but I think it's just him trying to find um, an escape from reality. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like, the answer to like did the did the events in this book really happen like i so badly want to say no we enter the world after geronimo's had a really rough day he gets crushed by this bookcase and he's in his attic and then like all of the sudden he's like in the kingdom of fantasy there's no travel there's nothing it's just like hey here i am you know and that's how the book starts and then we go through this whole entire like adventure with like very like fantasy outlandish things that like you want to see in a real world now, like granted, he also is like a mouse rider. Like, so it, is it really fair to say whether it's realistic or not? Um, but anyway, so he goes to this like fantasy world and then like all of a sudden at the very end, he's back in the attic and we don't, we don't know whether anything happened. The only thing is this music box. And so even though I really want to say no, it all was just a dream. I think that we are meant to walk away and say yes. I think that we're supposed to say yes because this music box that played a part while we were in the kingdom of fantasy, he he has it after he's woken up from what I want to call his dream. You know, and so if he has this physical thing, then it must have happened. But I also think because the last quote in the entire book is all dreams that come from the heart have wings. And I really think that like that that quote is basically saying any dream that you have, it really can come true. And so if that's like the point of that last statement and what is supposed to be going on, then it seems really dumb for them to say, no, none of these events really happened. So I, that's why I think we're meant to say yes. So now that we finished April's book of the month, it's time to learn what next month's book is going to be. For the month of May, we will be reading Paper Towns by John Green. Paper Towns is a coming-of-age story about a high school senior named Quentin who falls in love with his mysterious neighbor, Margot. After she disappears, Quentin embarks on a journey to find her, discovering more about himself and the nature of human relationships along the way. You can catch our discussion on this book on May 24th. That is going to bring us to the end of this episode. You can find the Bookworm Collective on Instagram at the underscore Bookworm Collective and on Facebook at the Bookworm Collective. Feel free to message us what you're currently reading or your thoughts on this month's book. We are looking forward to your responses. We'll put a poll up on our Instagram story. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.